Welcome to the Power Play Podcast, where international cricketer Kyron Powell and marketing genius Jordan Shannon join forces, bringing you captivating conversations with the biggest players in cricket and business. Join us as we dive into the lives of current stars in the cricketing world, the legends before them, and those extraordinary icons whose performances changed the game in both cricket and business. Exploring journeys both on and off the pitch, the boardroom, and everything in between. Get ready for an exhilarating blend of cricket, life, and business insights with two insatiably passionate, infuriatingly no-holds-barred hosts who, unfortunately for the rest of us, live and breathe this stuff for a living. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 14 of the Power Play podcast. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Karen Powell. How are you, Kai? I'm good, John. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, yeah. Lots of cricket being on TV at the minute, and England played or started the first test against India today, which was... Um, great to see some red ball action back. Um, so yeah, looking forward to watching the rest of the test series go. To be honest, it's um, long series out there. It's going to be interesting yeah. um, to see yeah. how fast ball fizz. Well, yeah, yeah. I would just like I don't know. To be honest with you, there's, there's a couple of things. Well, three things that really played on my mind a little bit since um, you know a ball was bowled, and one of them was being obviously the issue with um, showing Bashir to, to getting his visa. Um, and I feel though that you know, with his Pakistani heritage and this and that, it's playing a part in, in you know, it should. I don't think it should play a. It shouldn't be an issue, and it shouldn't be something that's preventing this young lad, you know, making his Test debut and playing for England. It's a bit of a shame that um, it's a shame that it's happened. I know it's happened before. I know that Moeen Ali had a bit of an issue. I know that Usman Khawaja has had an issue before. Um, Saqib Mahmood had an issue getting in there with the Lions before, and I think that it's just a bit disappointing really that something like that's happened. And, you know, just because of his heritage, he's, it shouldn't really play a part in my opinion, but I just wanted to go, what did you think over that? Yeah. There's some things that are just, I mean, obviously bigger than the game. Um, yeah. Tension, between, you know, tensions between certain countries. You look at what's happening in the world. Um, obviously yeah. the whole stuff in the, in the Middle East, um, you've got, I guess, tensions with Ukraine and, um, yeah. Russia. So, I mean, these are things that are, again, unfortunately affecting the game of cricket, but there's there's nothing that I guess anyone in, in cricket can do to control it. Um, I've, I've seen that he's been granted his visa yeah. now. Yeah. Actually, so he should be on his way over there um, and hopefully, you know, broad future ahead of him. I've, I've, I guess, only heard very little about yeah. it. He's obviously still quite new to his his first class career, much um, less his international career. Yeah, yeah. Um, so obviously, any young any young guy going out to India for your first international trip is amazing. You know the, the yeah. love for cricket, the history of cricket. You know, um, and it doesn't matter where you're from; they literally just you play good cricket and they respect that. You know, so yeah, it's, it's an amazing place to be going. So you got touching on that. Do you not think the IC, these things that I see the ICC can do to help that situation? No, this is this is above ICC level. Yeah. This is talking about international relations here. Yeah, and true. Yeah, this yeah. is this is this is not just. I mean, jump, jumping on a ferry from Sinkets to Nevis. You know, this is yeah. um, 
something that's had a long lineage, a long history, um, yeah. these two countries. And so, I mean, you look at even the Champions, was it the Champions Trophy? No, it was, um, sorry, not the Champions Trophy. It was the Asia Cup last year yeah. where India played all of their matches um, in the UAE or in Sri Lanka or something, whichever one it was, I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. And then the Pakistani team being granted their visas, um, I guess, quite late to go to the 50-over World Cup that just concluded as well. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, sure. Yeah. These are things that the ICC, I guess, have any veto power on. Yeah. Or else, you know, we see a lot more India-Pakistan series, which I think would actually yeah. be even better than an Ashes series. We're talking yeah. about quality. That would probably yeah. be the best series out there possible. So, yeah, these things happen. Um, but now he's he's been cleared and you know he's on his way. This all all of that's behind him now. Yeah, which you like to. That's the main thing. He's you know he's, he's joining the squad. Um, this weekend, and hopefully, um, you know, hopefully, features some part at some point, and we can we, we can see this young talent, and hopefully, it can flourish. The other thing that bothered me, and I, I want again, this is definitely something I want to get your opinion on. So, you know, Harry Brook, unfortunately, has, has had to come back for you know personal reasons, and you know, hope everything's up worked out okay with him. And you've they brought in Dan Lawrence to replace him. Now, Dan Lawrence, you know, uh, you know, doing playing very well over here in the summer. But he's been playing in the Big Bash. And then from the Big Bash, he's gone to the ILT20. They played one game for the Vipers, I think it was. And then he's been flown over to India. But England have got an A team over there at the minute. So they're playing um, in, you know, sorry, the Lions are in, whoever it's England, they are playing India A or the England Lions are playing India A. And you've got Keeson Jennings who scored a 140 and a 63. Josh Bohannon scored a couple of half centuries, maybe even a century. I think he got a century as well. And uh, another middle order batter scored runs. But you're bringing in somebody who has been playing T20 cricket, no disrespect to T20 cricket. Um, but surely that undermines you taking a squad or a Lions team over there. They've been playing in the conditions, been playing against, you know, the same sort of uh, format, obviously, the same format in terms of, of um, four-day cricket, five-day cricket as such. But the, just it seems to replace him with someone who's been playing, you know, hasn't really hasn't really featured. Well, I think this this England set of, um, obviously, well, I'm not a think. We, we can see they do things um, quite differently. And, I mean, playing in the conditions and not playing in conditions, it doesn't necessarily seem to make too much of a difference because... No. This, this team went to India three days before the start of the series where they were having their preparation camp out in Abu Dhabi. Um, yeah. So I don't think that's necessarily um, a big box ticked for them, whether or not you're playing in those conditions. I think they just expect everyone to be professionals and to be international cricketers. And clearly they have a pecking order in terms of, you know, who the players are that they see as next up for for like for like replacements um in any given situation uh, again dan lawrence was throughout the summer spending a lot of time around the test team um, yeah so a lot of miles up and down the country trying to get back to essex and play for them when he wasn't selected the final 11 so he would be someone that i guess ben stokes and, and the entire england team see as that next middle order batter up um which isn't necessarily a bad thing for, for the guys out there in the lines, you know, and I don't think that they should be disheartened or take it right. as they're not 
in line, but they, they obviously are pecking orders and conversations that have been had on show um, yeah. with other guys because you, you may see other guys as well out in T20 leagues and they've just said, you know, like it's, I guess, probably more beneficial for them um, to go and make whatever exorbitant fee as opposed to playing an A-team series in India at this point of time of the year, you know, because I mean, you're looking at the economics of um, being a professional yeah, athlete I get that. as well. Yeah, yeah I, so I, get that. I guess maximize players' earning potential and just look at it as, you know, he's still playing some form of cricket. Yeah, and yeah. once he's still playing cricket, he's still taking over and that's all they can ask of them. Yeah. Like I said, I just hope you touched on it then. I just hope that the communication between the England um, Lions squad has been communicated. So look, you know, great work, Keaton. You've scored this run. It's Joshua Hannon, fantastic. We are looking at bringing Dan Lawrence and he's been involved with the test squad now for the last 12 months. Um, and that is really what the reason, you know, that's the that's the reason why we've gone ahead with him. Yes, we appreciate he's been doing this. And but like you said, I think ultimately, now you've said it, like I, I, I've, this is why I enjoy speaking to you about it because I see certain things in the perspective. You see it as, a, as you are a professional cricketer. That's why it's so good listening to you is that I see it as a way that, you know, why have you not brought him in? But you're saying that, you know, he's he's, he's making, you know, f making finances work in the fact he's, he's gone to the BBL, then to the ILT20. So he's looking after his career. So it, it does make sense, I suppose, in that respect. Um, but from my perspective, I just wish that the communication from, um, you know, with the Lions batters especially have said, look, you know, this is the situation and, and that they're involved. And it, because I think they've been performing quite well, because I think it's been a tough series for them as well. Um, I think they're I think they're under the pump in this game at the minute, but um, I think there's a few of them that, that have done quite well there. I think Keaton Jennings especially um, has shown that I think like with his one forty he got, and you you shown that he's he could be an option if one of the openers went down, for instance. But we'll see how that boils out. Do, do you just see Keaton Jennings as an opening option, or do you see him as a viable option at any sort of slot throughout the middle order? I guess with his propensity to be um, a proficient player of spin. I seem I personally I would see him as anywhere between one and in the top order, not necessarily just as an opening batter. And it's it's funny you should say that because last week we had that discussion about um, the David Warner situation and how some of the likes of the Matt Renshaws and Mark Harris are going to have to somehow adapt the role. I would like to see Keaton Jennings be in that mindset as well to think that yes, okay, um, Ben Duckett and um, sorry the, the other opener for instance, sorry uh, Zach Crawley, that, you know they're doing quite well. So for me to get in the side, I need to somehow figure out how that how, how that may be, it might be a way in. Um, but he, like I said, he does play spin very, very well. So he's going to be a viable option if one of them goes down. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting thing because, I mean, saw Ben Stokes coming in at number six today, yeah. which in he's really been slotting in at the number five position. So obviously, Johnny without the gloves came back up to number five. Um, yeah. So there's just a there's a lot of moving parts in the batting order. Like it's never just um, stagnant. Like it, it's never the same. You never know what's, I guess, going to come apart from the baseball approach. No, um, no, so it's no. And I'm just touching on that side. What did you? Well, in my opinion, again, this is something that I was a bit confused about. Is you've taken Jimmy Anderson over there, but you've not picked him. You've gone with one quick, and then the three spinners. I don't know whether. I just thought again. This is my only my take on it. He, Jimmy Anderson, could be the one who gets 
swing early on with the new ball, but he could also get it to reverse a little bit later on. Do you think England have missed a trick there with that one? I know in high, you know, we, we don't know yet with the first test currently being played, but do you think we'll miss him? So I'm not sure if you're familiar with um, what a top is. It's like um, you can you can take a golf ball and like you hit a nail into it. Um, you cut off the ends, like you sort of like sand it down, and like right. you know, it's something that use in the Caribbean, like you spin it on hard surfaces, etc. All right, okay, um, yeah, yeah, I know what you mean now, yeah. So there's a saying that you can't spin tops in mud. So okay. basically, horses for courses. I mean, you you yeah. can take anybody out to India. Yeah, that doesn't mean that the conditions are necessarily gonna suit him. Um, right, and I guess the way that they weighed up the conditions, um, they thought that obviously Mark would, with his extra pace, is going to be a viable option anyway. And if you're going to get reverse swing, I guess you want it at as much pace as possible yeah. to sort of give that a less time to react. So I think that's where they went in with a Mark Wood as opposed to Jimmy Anderson, because I mean, Jimmy's pace, realistically, you look at his pace throughout the summer, it's been, it's been down. It hasn't been up yeah. to what it's been in, in recent years. And you know, Jimmy is obviously as well not 25 anymore. No, no. Um, whilst, whilst he is a serviceable part, he's not what he used to be. Um, and so that's that's not any knock on, on Jimmy Anderson. He's still one of the greatest and probably the greatest scene bowler of this generation. Yeah. Um, but it's just England trying to pick a team that they feel gives him the best chance of getting 20 wickets in this match. Yeah. If yeah. anything, I'd I'd say I'd say I, was, I would be a bit surprised in terms of selections like um, Hartley, as opposed to let's say Liam Dawson. Um, what happened to Adam Best? He came out to Sri Lanka, yeah, a few seasons ago um, and got a, got a five wicket haul, if I'm not mistaken, bowled pretty yeah. well. And went back into the county game, and then that's sort of it. Um, you know what happened to the the guys that are playing county cricket season? in season out and I mean they, they can't fix the wickets you know the, obviously yeah. early season English conditions are what they are spinners aren't going to thrive no. much um, no. so, you know I mean it's it's a tricky situation but you'd think that you'd sort of go for your more experienced bowlers and I mean you look at the way Joyce Wall I guess attacked an inexperienced heart um, he doesn't have I guess anything to fall back on in terms of first-class experience, in terms of knowing, okay, I just need to adjust or settle down or how do I get this guy off strike and ball to the other batter, you know, just different tactics um, that he, he would be able to implore had he been a bit more experienced. Yeah, I think that, that point that you mentioned there, I was going to lead on to there about Tom Hartley opening the bowling was, I think what they tried to do England is pick by bringing in Tom Hartley is his height. So he's six foot four or six foot four and a half, give or take. And I think that they want him to really sort of re bring that ball in sort of from a quiet, you know, from a tall height and, you know, with pace really and sort of try and let the wicket do stuff with it. And I just think that it's a tough ask for him to go and do that. You talk about his experience tonight, like it's, it just feels like it's a bit, it's a really tough ask for him to just go and do something like that. He's played a lot of white ball, and I guess you know as we, as I just feel like it's it's tough. And then he, he went, you know, he got the new ball today, and like I said, Jaswell just got stuck into him. And I just think that England have got to really look after him a little bit now because a few years ago we had well probably five, six, seven years ago Simon Kerrigan made a Test debut, 
and he got destroyed. I think, you know, taken to the sword big time. And he never really recovered from something like that. And I think that England have got to learn, not necessarily learn from the Kerrigan situation as such, but I think you've got to look after these players a bit more. And sometimes, and like you mentioned there about Dawson, Liam Dawson well and truly deserves to be playing. But have they gone with him because of his age and they've tried to go go with some Tom, Tom Harley for a longer, a long-term plan? I don't know, but like what did you make of like how do you what do you make of the fact that he is sort of so inexperienced and then given the new ball, would you have gone with Jack Leach and maybe looked after Tom Hartley a little bit more? Uh, not necessarily. I mean, it, it could be a good thing as well. You look at Shamar Joseph, for example, in the last test for yeah. the West Indies. I mean, he didn't get the new ball, but he, he bowled the most overs. He got the most wickets, you know. So um, yeah. you're good enough. You're you're good enough when you're good enough, and you're yeah. you're good enough. When, it's not a matter of when you're old enough. You're good enough when you're good enough, and they yeah. felt as though, based on the composition of the team, he would be the guy to take the new ball. And I mean. Because it didn't necessarily pan out the way he would have wanted today. Yeah. It's still four more test matches. It's a long time. And he still has a long way to go, not only in this game, but this series and his career in terms of yeah. impacting matches. So it's, I mean, it's, it's a, a small blip in what could potentially be a long career. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, I, I, think, that, I think one thing as well I thought Stokes did quite well is that even though. Um, he got a bit of tap early on. He stuck with him and he's allowed himself to sort of get used to it, get used to it, get used to it. And I remember making one of my debuts, you know, I, I was I was bowling poorly and I remember the captain coming to me and he said, you need to figure it out. I'm not going to take you off. You need to work through it and figure it, find a way of making it work. And I felt that, that at that time was something I needed to hear because from a confidence perspective, it allowed me to, to think that I wasn't going to get taken off and then, you know, my confidence would just drop. It would also make me figure out in my head, right, okay, I'm going to stay up there. I'm going to work through it. And ultimately, it, you know, it helped. So I think that the way that Stokes went about the stuff with Hartley then may have given that sort of confidence and hopefully we'll come back tomorrow. And, you know, he, you know, Jasper might, you know, miss time on using his feet or, or something sweeping and stuff. And he gets that, you know, that big boost of confidence thinking, right, I've got the breakthrough. And then I think there's only... I don't think there's another right hand. I don't think there's another left hander actually after Jaswell. I think they're all rights. Uh, yeah, there's Patel and Jadeja. Yeah, sorry, yeah, uh, yeah. So you've got an opportunity to go at some right handers after you potentially you know, after they get the wicket. So hopefully he comes into the game a bit more, and and Jack Leach will do, and hopefully we can see Ray and Ahmed do his thing as well. Because I'm looking forward to seeing how he goes because obviously there's a lot of talk about him and his future and and stuff. So I'm looking forward to see him get some overs and see where he goes. Yeah, I don't think you can necessarily put too much, I guess, credence or pressure on them at this point as well because it's, I mean, as two really young players, not just obviously making their test debuts, but like cricket-wise, they're two really young players. They haven't yeah. really played that much um, franchise cricket. They haven't played that much professional cricket. Um, yeah. And so there's not a lot to draw upon apart from the support of your environment and surroundings. So um, yeah. I guess that's where England have to find a way to nurture these guys, um, not only off the field, but through, throughout a match, manage them throughout a match, because whatever happens from here on in, these are the guys that have to get you another 19 wickets um, yeah. to get out of the match. Um, so you have to figure it out um, as a unit, because, again, Mark Wood is not going to be bowling 
eight, nine overs no. per session. No. That's that happen. He's gonna be bowling at max six overs a session. And so these guys are gonna have to figure out because that's that's leaving them with eight overs each if you wanna break it down in simple terms. Yeah, and they're yeah. gonna have to figure out a way to not only take wickets but I guess control the scoring rate as well. You mentioned there about the nurturing side of things. Do you think that England maybe could have utilised <clears throat> Joe Root a bit more and then maybe only played Rayan Ahmed in one and then partly in another, played Anderson and then used Joe Root and then maybe bred them both in in separate test matches rather than the same? Or do you just think it's a way that you you know blood them in as, as quick as you can? I think they've gone for the attacking option in terms of obviously um, playing the, the three spinners. Right. Root is good enough though on these types of pitches to be more than a part-time spinner and obviously not you know a third option in terms of spinner but still very serviceable and he got a five-wicket haul on the last trip there as well yeah yeah, yeah, did, yeah. um it could have been a situation where as you said and obviously because stokes isn't bowling no. they could have tried to get another seamer in there it could be a situation where they said to themselves as well that they go in um, one battle light and they'd, they'd play Johnny as the keeper yeah well, so yeah. play six and force your batters to, to bat and go the extra seamer that way and so that you're covered um, you've covered all bases because I guess Jimmy gives you at the very least um, control and he can bowl long spells regardless of his age so Here we know, I it gives you a lot of control from one end and you can sort of plug away at the other end. So, I mean, there's, there's so many different yeah. ways of, yeah. of, of, of looking at it, playing around with it. Um, but I guess everyone has the inkling that the pitch is going to deteriorate very quickly. Um, it, it, it spun, it didn't spin drastically to me. I've seen in no. pitches that go this. There was some, I think the one that Bairstow got out to was a, a beauty. Um, that straightened from like and again, that, exactly, and then again, that that didn't rag. That literally just straightened enough straightened, to yeah. be half half the width of the bat. So. Yeah, yeah. What did you, did you can't complain. No, did you think the total of two fifty was competitive at that point? No, 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 because you're talking about spin being foreign to England, not yeah. to India. Yeah, you're yeah. Talking about that are playing at home, yeah. that have just had a very tough tour of South Africa and are looking to yeah. cash in. Yeah, You're talking about players that understand the fact that Virat Kohli's out for the first two test matches and somebody's going to have to get dropped. Yeah. So yeah. players understand all these varying circumstances yeah. and are vying to keep their spot, whether it be a Shubman Gill who hasn't lit the test arena up like how he would have wanted oh, yeah. to at this point. Um, Joyswell, who's going to want to retain his spot. Um, they seem to be backing him through all formats of the game at the moment. Yeah, yeah. And he, yeah. he's been them, to be fair. Sh Shreya Zaya hasn't put a foot wrong, if no. you're going to be honest. Um, and then you've got Kale Rahul, who's just scored another century in South Africa as an Indian wicketkeeper. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. The situation where the wicket keeper gets dropped and mm. Kale Rahul is supposed to become the keeper, or 
they could be mass turmoil in the batting order, but those guys aren't trying to leave themselves open to option B being them getting dropped. And so 260 for me um, doesn't look competitive because these are guys that want to cash in and cash in big. Yeah. And the way that they went out as well, it's that how they targeted from the start. Like I read an article on ESPN, they were talking obviously about how India buzzballed England at the start of this and that. But I think they were just tactically quite astute with the way they went about it. I don't think it, I don't I mean exactly. It wasn't necessarily basketball. I mean, it's no. just common sense. If you can jump on top of a debutant, then no. they're only playing three spinners and a seamer. The seamer's not gonna bowl much, so you're left with two other bowlers. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But it's just common sense if you can take one of their bowlers off. Yeah, exactly. And the way that Jaswell played Hartley was just you just played you just swept him, used the spin and kept sweeping him. So I think that the way they yeah. played was the way that they, you know because I, I was a bit disappointed with some of the dismissals from England. I was, I was disappointed with um, Ollie Pope's dismissal. I thought that, you know, it, it just looked like he prodded at it and sort of like jabbed it. You can't do that in those conditions to a left-hand spinner. It, it just looked a little bit, again, we talk about this a lot, but the preparation of it just didn't look right. That's not somebody, in my opinion, who's been batting on those types of wickets. There was no soft hands there. I know I'm not, I'm not talking like a professional in the fact that like, oh, but it just didn't look... You know, that's the way you should be batting, basically. I mean, it's, it's, I wouldn't say it's lack of preparation because these these guys hit a lot of balls. Yeah. These guys, not talking about golf balls, we know they hit a lot of those as well. <laughs> yeah, true, yeah. These guys, no, these guys won't be underprepared. That's, that's for yeah. sure. So it's just yeah. um, poor execution yeah. on his part that time around. Um, and I think this is going to be interesting to offer many factors because will this put to an end the basketball um, charade? Will they in turn say, let's go a bit harder? I personally don't think that everyone in the team needs to play like no. that. I mean, no. you, look, you look at a Joe Root, I think Joe Root's far too good of a player to be even entertaining such conversations. Um, but he's, he's, he's been playing his role, I guess, or playing his part in driving English cricket in, in, in the direction that they want to go, um, which is kudos to him, someone that's played that much cricket and is still willing to adapt and try something which, I mean, has affected his, his productivity. Yeah, yeah. But I guess the team overall is playing a bit more. So ultimately, I guess he'll be happy with that. Um, but deep down inside, we know that he'll want to get some big scores as well. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I think that's one, one thing with, with Root is that I, I just leave him. Like, I wouldn't even need, in my opinion, as a captain, I felt like I wouldn't even need to speak to him about anything. I know that he would look after himself in the way of preparation um, and everything in terms of how he would, his game and his game management would be, you know, I don't I wouldn't need to run it by him. But I think you make a really good point there about does everybody need to be this aggressive or that aggressive in the fact that. I think one thing that Ben Stoker has done extremely well is that he plays the situation of the game. He's fantastic. And in the Ashes, people spoke about how, you know, he, that is like a bit hypocritical at times, you know, he was saying, oh, you know, talk about basketball, but he came out and he's, you know, he's had 20 off, you know, 80 balls at time. It goes, it, it talks about, I think it shows that this group of players have got to work out a way of, of playing the game in the situational perspective of understanding when to go and when not to go 
And I think that, you know, as someone like yourself, who's played you know, volumes of test cricket, you've got to understand that when England lost the wicket of Ben Duckett, you've got to rebuild a little bit at times. And that's when I, I felt that the big twist of the test match went was England started really well. Yes, um, Siraj, he didn't bowl particularly well. England cashed in, they, you know, they got off to a nice start. You know, they lost the wicket. Ashwin is a top bowler. It happens. But then I think that these, there needed to be a few overs there, just a little bit. I'm not saying defensive, because sometimes when you're facing two spinners, it's, you're getting yourself in a rut if you go too defensive. But I think some of the shot selection opened the door for India, and they're too good of a side not to take the opportunity and really drive it home. And then you had that situation with Root and, sorry, the partnership with, with Root and Bairstow, they rebuild lost a wicket, Stokes come in, Stokes did what he did, and then but then obviously was able to sort of take the opportunity and post a, I'm not, you said obviously it wasn't really competitive, but he was posting a respectable, a bit more of a respectable score. But I do think England need to learn a little bit from this this sort of game situation management and understanding when to, when to be aggressive and not to be aggressive, really. Well, <laughs> Stokes is obviously a lot more street smart, um, than than the rest of the team, but I don't think there's any there's going to be any learning when to be aggressive and when not to be aggressive when the mantra is to be aggressive. Um, so they're just gonna, I guess, either be aggressive or be more aggressive when they're not sure how aggressive to be, uh, which is how they they plan to go down. And I mean, that's that's what they plan to play. Sometimes they're gonna get five hundred in a day. Sometimes they're gonna get bowled out in a session, um, but they're willing to live with it and try and force, I guess, force a result um, for themselves or, or at least give themselves a chance, maybe the way they're thinking about it. Um, and and that's, that's just how they see the evolution of Test cricket at the moment. Yeah. Do, do, do you think, though, that that is, you know, you're saying that they're not going to change, and I, I get that, and that's... Brendan McCullum's philosophy and that's how he wants to play. So I appreciate that. And ultimately, I suppose I respect it, the fact that he's got this bold and strong mindset of that's how he's going to play. But do you think that that could be the undoing of of England in India in that with that respect? I think it'd be the undoing of England on any pitch that's not flat. Right. You look, you look at the Ashes, they played on flat pitches. Yeah. Um, yeah. And obviously you see people like Jimmy Anderson had very little effect where the ball's not doing much. Anytime the ball's doing anything in terms of like stopping in the pitch, like in places in the Caribbean where the pitches aren't, aren't true. Yeah. Um, obviously in Asia where the ball starts spinning or, you know, where the ball does anything untoward, then basketball becomes a lot more difficult because you can't necessarily just play through the line and, and just hit on the up as, as you'd like. So, um, Will it be the undoing of basketball? I think conditions are the undoing of basketball, um, not necessarily oppositions. Um, and it's just how long they are, how many tours in how many varying conditions they get before they decide to start, I guess, reining it back in somewhere. Yeah, I think it's a good point. I think ultimately for it to work, they, they're going to have to adapt it somehow to make it work. Um and hopefully, hopefully it still remains in a positive manner because ultimately I think it will be a positive because that's the mindset that Stokes and McCullum both have. But I think that hopefully at some point for England to become to go back to number one in, from the Test perspective, or at least be you know featuring in the World Test Championship finals and stuff like that, is that they're going to have to probably well 
you've got to be able to play in every condition, haven't you? And we've spoke about that before. Do you think that they're going to feature in the World Test Championship Finals? Not at the moment, no. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think. No, um, the the approach, as I said, is predicated on on flat pitches, and you have to be able to not just gain points at home, but that's how the World Test Championship is set up, and you need yeah. to be able to gain points away. And places like Bangladesh are a lot rougher than yeah, yeah. India. They start fixing Bunsen burners from the day before the test match. Starts. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's it's gonna spin back to the bowler and they go to Bangladesh next. Yeah. Um, and let's see you trying, I guess, hit hit those balls then. So you saw the last time. Yeah, you saw the last time New Zealand went to Bangladesh and yeah. Bangladesh was. What are they complaining about? This our home conditions. We're playing to a home advantage. That's it. One eighty was a huge score. So. Yeah. And that's what I think we've talked about Kane Williamson's 100 that he got. And, he, we, you know, he spoke so fondly about that because it would have been ultimately such a challenging innings because of the way that he was just spin from, from the outset. But going back to your point then about England, I don't think they have the strength in depth that the likes of Australia, India and New Zealand have in terms of replacing players. You know, we spoke about the Warner thing before and we, we reeled off two or three players that could come in to replace an opener. I don't think England necessarily have that. Um, you know, from a spin perspective, they brought in Hartley and, um, the, the, you know, the lad with the visa problem. That's an issue because they haven't, we talk about inexperience, so there isn't somebody coming through at the minute, in my opinion, that's, it's, it doesn't it doesn't seem to be, England don't seem to be, have that conveyor belt they once had of producing the top test match players to a certain extent. Um, but again, hopefully that, it, it, hopefully it will, you know, something will change and the, the young lads um, will turn out to be you know, top players and stuff like that. And ultimately they need to replace Jimmy Anderson as well, somewhere down the line. So somebody like a Matt Potts can come in and and take that, you know, take that lead. But I think that it'd be interesting to see how the rest of the test match goes. I'm sure me and you'll obviously discuss that um over the next few weeks and we'll discuss, you know, we might have been, you know, this podcast might look laughable, but um <laughs> I'm not sure it will. But um yeah, we'll see how it goes. Well, so after my little passionate discussion about England and uh, India just then, um, what did you make of the first day of uh, Australia versus West Indies? Up and down day. Um, obviously, West Indies being sixty for five or whatever they were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hodge and Hodge and De Silva um, put on a really good partnership there. Uh, yeah, I think they said that highest partnership in a day-night test against Australia in Australia. Um, so right. record-breaking. Um, interesting as well because uh, Brisbane isn't where they normally play their day night tests. I'm wondering why they didn't Perth, play the test. No, it's um, well, Perth and Adelaide, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. I'm wondering why they didn't play the Adelaide test as the day night test and then just keep Brisbane as sort of a day test. But, um, yeah, interesting stuff. West Indies would be happy with the fight back that they've managed yeah. to, um, 260 is a lot better than, I guess, being bowled up for 100. Um, a lot more to work with now. And I guess it sort of guarantees us that test match goes to three, day four um, type times. Yeah. Um, but at least there's there's some good cricket to be watched. The West Indies bowling won't be under pressure in terms of trying to get wickets every ball as every well. Ball, which yeah, is really yeah. Allows guys to settle into plans for a longer period of time. 
and give and give their plans a chance to work. Um, so it'll be, it'll be good viewing the rest of of this um, match. Obviously, West Indies' first innings isn't over yet, and they'll be trying to cross that through. Yeah, definitely. I thought I thought Hodges' innings was really impressive in the fact that he, I think he showed some real resilience and grit. The fact that I think it was 72, 70 odd or something, so um, just 190 odd balls as well. I think it goes to show, you know, that resilience and that sort of grit is still massively uh, valued in the test arena. And sometimes you've just got to ride that storm, and that pretty much will, it was what it would have been with it, with that prong. A four prong attack of Australia would have been tough. So hopefully the West Indies can can get a nice to get to three hundred and then hopefully see some, um, you know, see some response with the ball. Really, yeah. I mean, Test cricket is, and, and I guess first class cricket to a lesser extent is exactly that. Like it doesn't. At the end of the day, when when you get out, people completely forget how many balls do you face, and they just remember the score. Yeah, and so. I'm that is the, I guess, purpose of test cricket to, to bat time. You've got five days, so there's not necessarily a rush to, I guess, get it now or get it today. Yeah. It's accumulation and graft and, and wearing down the opposition. And so um, Hodge, Hodge played beautifully there. Obviously, Joshua being yeah. the senior, more experienced partner and someone that needed a score badly. If there was ever a cricketer that needed a score badly, um, I think Joshua would have been in that position because he hasn't hasn't been making runs for for quite some time now. Um, so he'd be, I guess, happy and disappointed both in the same breath. Um, yeah. There's nothing like a century, I guess, to alleviate pressure from a player. But I guess getting a score like that in a situation like that as well, um, in conditions like those day-night Test match pit ball doing a bit would, would do a lot, not just for his confidence, but for the rest of the team, obviously going forward into the balance of, of this match. And, and the guys do not know that, okay, if if we are willing to fight, we're capable of scoring runs here. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I think it, sh- it showed that um, that we spoke about it last week, about the, you know, the inexperienced aspect to the side. But I think that it, they sort of showed that a little bit. If you, if you do apply yourself and you give yourself... Um, you know that reason that resilience to sort of go out there and just bat, just bat and bat time. You could probably develop and give yourself a chance to to to, to get a score. So hopefully, um, you know, Alzari might go wild in the morning and get a few. You know, he had a you know thirty two not out. I think he is at the minute. So hopefully, he could get a few more runs, get them to three hundred. Produce. He got out. Oh, did he get out? Oh, yeah. Sorry, he was like, yeah, he got out, didn't he? And then the 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 yeah, closed it. Yeah, of course. Um. But hopefully, like I said, sorry, that Western East can get to 300 and then give, give him a chance because hopefully then you can see that progression. We spoke last week about the progression. So hopefully you'll see after each innings and after each test match, that development and development, hopefully, um, you know, it'll, it'll be quite a benefit and hopefully see Western East performing at, at the test arena again, really. Um, Obviously, the, the Under-19 World Cup's well underway. We discussed that last week, but there's been some really good performances. Um, Has anyone caught your eye in particular? You know who's caught my I, eye. I know exactly who's caught my eye. I wouldn't say he's caught my eye because, I mean, we've, yeah, we've known about Joel Andrew for quite yeah. some time now. The first time I've come across him was probably two years ago. Um, yeah. Two, two and a half years ago, he came to right. the Senior Trials. Um, we were preparing for the regional four-day comp and 
as a 15 year old they invited him to i think he had just turned 15 or something they invited him to the trials and he made 49 batted for like a session session and a half or something and the way he played the way he put together an innings for um a 15 year old obviously stood out and i, I told the the coach at that point i said like, we need to pick him and he's like no 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 he's got lots of time ahead of him i said that's doesn't work like that it's not how old you are it's how good yeah. you are that's already you know Sachin Tendulkar was ready at 16. yeah um and i felt as though he was ready then at 15 to wow. play first class cricket now obviously he came back again this season as a 16 year old got selected for super 50 team um, yeah lovely kid everyone absolutely loves him he's like a little brother yeah to everyone in the team um the team chat has been just going crazy you know obviously everyone's just so happy yeah. for him um every single time he goes out you know he has a clear plan um and we sort of knew his potential and it's just happy to see that he's um performing now on a global stage for his age group and yeah i mean technically this is not even his age group because he's still he's just 17 so um he, yeah. he in essence has another under 19 workup but i said to him before this tournament this is going to be two workups for you your first and your last so enjoy it because your progression yeah um, from what i've seen as a 15 year old to know shows no signs of you having another under 19 workup you'll be a senior cricketer but then if you continue on the path that you are and i mean he's gonna go straight back into our first class setup and rightfully so um just based on what we've seen thus far it, it doesn't matter what happens for the rest of the tournament like he's shown that you know as a 16 17 year old he has what it takes i mean and rightfully so you look at the scores that he makes in club cricket on a weekend right and he gets and this 100 and that wow and you look at you look at the players that i mean we have in our regional setup you know he's he's playing against the alzari josephs the rakim cornwalls the right. oshane thomas of the world and it's, wow. he's not he's not running away like he's looking to take them on and he's actually taking them on and hitting them for sixes you know um and so that that level of talent that level of skill um can't be held back it can't yeah. be not given an opportunity to blossom and to and to thrive and so i mean obviously now the world has seen him um but i've i've foresighted this two years ago yeah you talk, you, just really yeah you mentioned him to me as soon as i started with you 12 months ago yeah and it's, just, away. it's just pleasing pleasing to see um nathan edward obviously another one um him and Joel had that good partnership to finish the game the last match that they missed the yeah. another of our lead on the 19 boys um again someone that i think has a bright future i'm happy to see that he got a promotion and he was batting at number 7 in this last right. match as opposed to um where he batted in the first match down at number 9 genuine all-rounder right okay um, i think mine i think he's probably even a better batter than a bowler but um oh, he's right. not that sort of the opportunity um i think as his body grows and he grows into his game that sort of it will sort of come out more and more um 
but again, another good young player. Um, yeah. And he's actually contracted to our first-class setup. So he's oh, right. not okay. just a young player in the under-19 setup. He's going to go back and potentially feature in um, the regional 40 tournament as well. So. All right, okay, that's good. Yeah. I, love, I love seeing young talent. I love seeing young talent that works yeah. hard and is hungry for information. And both of these guys are just <laughs> exactly that. You know, hungry for information, always... Yeah talking in the dressing rooms in the hotels really uh, message messaging you when they're away from you and it's, it's just good to see that they're getting sort of i guess the just rewards for not just their hard work but like the dedication to the game yeah i think i think you was um like you touched on then one thing that i've really enjoyed is like obviously i've been speaking to you about it during the you know, the, the, the week it's been on him. You've seen this in Ings, you've seen him score from New Zealand. Like, oh, have you seen him? He looks fantastic. And I think it's been really good because I think it's probably the first time, maybe the second time that I've really sort of been fully invested into this under-19 World Cup where, and again, it's just brilliant to see this young talent and you see some of them. And he was a young lad uh, from Australia. Um, he took four or five in, in the first game or the second game. And his action was superb. And he, he sort of like... I don't know, you get that real buzz when you see a young player and you think, well, I'm seeing it on TV, you're you're involved with these two lads and it must be fantastic for you to see um, all the hard work and the time that they spent and the practice and, you know, you know, dual bending your ear, you know, wanting to talk to you, wanting to talk to you, wanting to, you know, take everything out that you've got to then listen to it all, absorb it all, but then really go and put it in to this World Cup and this platform, this springboard into the, the career. It must be great for you to see really as well. Well, I don't know that I can take that much credit for it. Um, obviously, his his family, his yeah. coaches, and all that have done an amazing job as well. Um, I just try to play my little part, um, whatever that is. A reassuring word, obviously, for for these young guys coming into senior men's cricket. You know, it, yeah. it is a daunting task. It doesn't matter how brave you are, how skillful you are. You still need someone there to. I guess, look over you and give you that sort of reassurance that, you know, you're good enough um, and you belong at this level. And so it's just more things like that that I try and do, you know, obviously, yeah. again, situation in the Caribbean dictates that um, kit is not necessarily the easiest thing to get your hands upon. So, like, you know, I always try and find ways of ensuring that these guys have the proper kit that they need to go out and perform in and just, you know, just clear their minds of anything um, not cricket related, um, just enabling them to focus on batting, bowling, fielding, and you know let let me as an older player um, worry about all the other things that needs to happen in able for them to go out and perform. So that's that's just so I sort of deal with I guess younger players, and I mean I'm just I'm happy to see them play, happy to see them thrive. I know that you know they're important parts of. Leeward Islands cricket, which is yeah. so near and dear to me, and West Indies cricket as as we look to go forward, as both um, entities look to go forward, these two young men in my mind, along with quite a few others, you know, because I think the Leeward Islands has a dirt of talent. You know, there's um, a next big tall off spinner, Anaje Amri, who's, I guess, the slimmer, tall version of, of a Rakeem Cornwall. Huge guy, probably right. six, seven, whatever he is. Um, wow, huge, right. man, fucking hands, catches anything in the slips. Um, 
can bowl forever. He's again the next younger that's contracted. Um, you've got Carlin Tuckett, you've got Justin Amadan, and you've got quite a few young guys, you know, um, Jaden Carmichael, who's been off playing in the CPL for two years now, um, went to Abu Dhabi T10. Um, and so, you know, there's there's lots of guys, um, not even getting into the under 15, under 17 level of things with the Leeward Islands where I think that that's where our, our next driving force is. And I'm, I'm big on looking at talent. So, yeah, I know yeah. people. Yeah, people wouldn't know that I'm looking. But like I always if there's an under 15 tournament on or under 17 tournament on my day is wrecked because as soon as the game starts, I'm on YouTube and you can tell me something and I'll hear it. But <laughs> I'm not gonna be listening to what you're trying to tell me. Now. I'm looking yeah. at the young kids being yeah. And obviously, they're from under 15 to under 17 to under 19. Has this guy improved? What hasn't he done? What has he done? Yeah. Okay, like this. I would add this, you know, different things like that. Because that's that's how I, I sort of look at younger players. And, I mean, where I can, obviously, try and reach out to them and speak to them, give them a bit of guidance, um, let them know that if they ever need anything, um, whether it be just a conversation or whatever the situation is, always feel free to call me at any time and I'll always be accommodating to them as well. So, no, I love it. Um, absolutely love it seeing these young guys go about their business. Um, heartwarming to me. Yeah. Um, right futures um, for lots lots of them that I've, I've, I've mentioned there. Yeah. No, and I think that they're, I think, you know, you, you do downplay yourself in terms of that and I get that. But I do think that these are, you know, this, this young group of lads coming through, you know, are very fortunate to have somebody like yourself, not only who has the experience, because everyone, a lot of teams do have players with experience, but not only do you have the experience, you want to give them that and you want to to mentor them or help them in any way possible if they want, you know, advice or anything like that. And I think you spoke last week about your time in the Under-19 World Cup and you had somebody there who was mentoring you, who, who allowed you to make sure that... Um, well, regrettably, you didn't sign for the Stanford T20 because you had the open check. But, you know, you had somebody there who was making sure that you was focused on, you know, you know that current situation in the, in the in the World Cup. And I hope that, you know, these young lads have that as well in the current setup, in the current West Indies setup. But also, like, you know, once they get back into the four-day setups and they get back on the Leeward Islands, they're surrounded by people who will keep them grounded from a performance perspective, but also ensure that, that they've, ultimately they've got the talent, but also that they, they remain focused and they have that right mentality to, that you know, keep working hard, but you've also got to be focused and you've got to keep working hard. And from that mentality perspective, because, you know, these various various sayings, you know, hard work, you know, tap talent beats hard work, all that sort of stuff. But I think with people like yourself around them, they can't not be distracted. They will be focused on achieving their, their you know, goals that they want to set out, really. Yeah, and I mean, I think that you look at the Leeward Islands franchise, for example. Um, <laughs> you look at the amount of overseas players, uh, not necessarily overseas in terms of outside of the Caribbean, but um, non-birthright players to that sub-region yeah. um, that have come to and through the Leeward Islands franchise. And it's only been, I think, two of them that haven't gone on to play for the West Indies. 
Wow. So, you know, we, we, we sort of have, yeah, we sort of have that culture. You've, you've got Justin Graves, he came, he's gone straight into the team, or Shane Thomas. Um, you've had Nkrumah Bonner. Um, I've had quite a few guys over the years um, that have gone on to play for the team in some shape or form. Yeah. And so, you know, we, we have an environment and something about, I guess, the way that we play and, I guess, prepare that nurtures um, progression. You look at our Super 50 team as well. In our playing 11, I think we had like eight out of 11 guys that were internationals um, for the West Indies. So, I mean, we do have a really good setup and it's it's a setup where these young guys will come into and feel loved, feel welcome. Um, not just by myself. Um, obviously, there's ev- everyone plays a part. Yeah. It's, it's yeah, yeah. very much a family environment. Um, yeah. Great bunch of guys to be a part of. Like, everyone looks after everyone. Um, you'd have things like, you know, simple things where someone would just bring a barbecue grill at the end of a practice day and just everyone would sit around for hours and hours and we just do barbecues and just talk about cricket, talk about different things, play dominoes and, you know, um, sort of ingratiate that sort of family lifestyle into into a franchise, which is, I mean, not necessarily the norm in in most working environments, much less sporting environments. Um, so these these young guys, they'll be well taken care of. Um, that is one thing I'm sure about. And um, um, as I said to you, you can mark this down within 24 months, Joel Andrew will be playing for some shape or form of West Indies senior men's cricket team. Which is fine. And like, what, what will it be then? 19, which is, you know, you know, fantastic. And I'm, I'm, I look forward to it. And because, you know, you, with you speaking to him, sorry, speaking about him for the last 12 months, I was so looking forward to watching him, you know, because I love listening to you talk about cricket. I love, you know, when you say to me, like, have you seen him play? Have you seen this? You know, the, I do, I really enjoy it. And hopefully, you know, he has a fantastic rest of the tournament, as do a lot of the lads. You know, I want to see any, you know, all these young lads perform because it, it's great for our sport at the end of the day. And, you know, um, you know, so a lot of the games have been competitive. Some of them have been low scoring, some of them have been high scoring, but ultimately they've been, you know, really competitive, which is great at the end of the day. So long may that continue. And we'll, uh, I'm sure we can discuss that over the next few weeks as well. Just before we wrap up, one thing I wanted to talk about as well was um, the BBL finished uh, yesterday or the day before and Josh Brown in the semi-final on an absolutely unbelievable 140, I think it was, off about 60-odd balls. He then got him off to a flyer in the final, which they then won. And then from there, he's gone straight to the BPL. Um, and, you know, he sort of finished the last bit, you know, the BPL and this flyer, then all of a sudden, this massive, you know, this opportunity to, for the BPL has come about. And you think that he's, I think he's only paid maybe 22 uh, T20 games. I think he's played one first-class match for for um, for Queensland. And this now, this new opportunity comes, and I think it's really, really good. And it's great to see because it just goes to show that whether it's in Australia or wherever it may be in the world, these franchise T20 tournaments can really catapult you into new opportunities and really sort of set your, you know, your career out for you, whether it is at, you know, I think he's 31 or maybe 30. You think it doesn't matter what age he's, you know, he's got a great opportunity to go and do what he can do in the BPL and, you know, what opportunities arise from it. Yeah, I think um, 
he said something in an interview where he was sort of choosing between BPL and ILT20. Um, right. He had offers from sort of went with a BPL. I think that's that's an interesting choice because obviously, yeah, coming from Australia, I, I, I thought he would have. I mean, even if the fees weren't the same, I thought he might have gone on to an ILT20 um, for right. a few reasons. Um, pitches will be, I guess, closer yeah. to what he accustomed to in in Australia as opposed to in Bangladesh. Um, give him a better chance of success. Not saying that he have that in Bangladesh, but you know, in terms of leveling the playing fields, yeah, ILT um, would have done that. Also, ILT Twenty having that direct connection and correlation to the IPL and IPL franchises and ownerships. Um, I thought he may be looking to explore getting into that ecosystem yes. of an IPL franchise, um, and you never know what could happen if no. he had a few performances there as well. Um, yeah, even if straight into the IPL. He could have been shuffled on to Major League in the summer when that comes around, you know, and start building up, um, working within those ecosystems. Um, yeah, yeah. So that was an interesting decision for me. But nonetheless, um, as you said, look at look at opportunities um, that come about based on a few scores. And again, this is this is someone that's played in the Big Bash final, but. I expect to see exactly the same from these young kids in the under-19 World Cup as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, because, you know, all of these franchise leagues have um, that under-21 or under-23 development player type yeah, yeah. Um, within their, their squad. So, again, Joel Andrew, yeah. shopping Joel Andrew franchises. Have you heard of him? Take mm. a look. Yeah. Get him in. Yeah. No, a lot, you know, it's great. To, like, it's just good to see this opportunities coming about from it. Um, you know, and and I won't say the carrot that's being dangled, but I suppose it is in the fact that whether that be in the under 19 World Cup, whether that be in the BPL, the ILT 20, or in the Big Bash, is that you're only, if your performances come, the next opportunity is only around the corner. And, and you can really, you know, secure your financial future. I don't want to talk about just finances to a certain extent, but. You can, and it's it's there to be had if you want it. And, you know, I suppose, I suppose at the end of the day, going back to the very first start of this conversation we had about Dan Lawrence is I was talking about how England potentially went about it the wrong way because they missed the opportunity to bring in some of the Lions lads and they went with Dan Lawrence. But when you, after the conversation we've had and the more you think about it, well, he could have gone and done something like that in the big bash, 70s, 80s, you know, big scores. And then, the opportunity to go and play in the you know in the major league or in the in the uh, the IPL whatever it may be so yeah I think it's good to see um, and you know hopefully more may, may, you know more of it can continue really. No, it's um it's a crazy world. It's a fast moving world. Hmm. This first T Twenty leagues and then um, we'll touch on uh, Drew Andrew again. Um, sorry, Drew, I'm, I'm killing you now, but. <laughs> You look at a jewel, for example, and people see what's happening now and stuff. But a few months ago, when they were on tour here in Sri Lanka, the West Indies team yeah. had a tour around Sri Lanka. His family home got burnt down while he was on tour. So you know these are these are um, obviously stories and stuff that are coming coming to light now. And then you still find that he comes back and he mm. comes to camp with the Leeward Island senior team and he's still so happy, still so jolly. 
Um, he goes into that Super 50, only gets to play one game, got to make his debut against Barbados, got his webbing split, you know, some more bad luck. Had an under-19 camp directly after that. Um, didn't get to bat in every match. Um, and then comes to this World Cup and look at the rewards, patience, time, patience. perseverance. And, you know, as, as, as you rightfully said, opportunities come just like that and you never know what this may lead to for him, for his family, what God's plans are for him and, and, and obviously his family and his country, etc. So, yeah. you know, it's, 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 great, it's great to see when people get these opportunities and, and they do well and, and it changes their lives. And, you know, kudos to everyone that's picked up deals in, in these various leagues that are going okay. on at the moment. Um, because as you as as you've said, it's it's great that guys are playing the sport that they love. Yeah. But it's also and guys have still got to go and secure their families' financials mm-hmm. because cricket is something that you can only play for a short period of time, and then you, you've got life to live for two, three t- times the amount of time that you were a professional cricketer. Yeah, of course, of course. Well. I think I think with that you just got to as a as a, as a professional athlete in any in any in any sport you've just got to be ready, to you know, mentality wise and everything and you know remaining switched on and focused and you never know when that opportunity comes but the only thing you can look after is the the bits that you're in control of is being ready, so yeah, you know, good. Well, thank you very much for tonight. Thoroughly enjoyable as always and. People have listened to me go on about England and stuff, but I'm sure that will continue over the next few episodes, no doubt, and hopefully a bit more positive about my negativity towards England. But, you know, fantastic as always. And thank you so much, Kai. Cheers, Jordan. Stay warm, stay safe. I can't really do the stay warm, to be honest with you. Um, But we'll try. We'll give it a go. I'll go in the sauna or something. It's fine. Thank you for joining us on the Power Play podcast, hosted by Kyron Powell and Jordan Shannon. We hope you enjoyed this immersive dive into the world of cricket and business, exploring the unique experiences and perspectives of players past and present, alongside those invaluable insights into intriguing business themes that transcend beyond the boundaries of sporting heroics. Be sure to set your reminders on your Alexa or Google Home device. Or we won't tell anyone if you still use those paper calendar things from a bygone era. Join us next time for more inspiring dialogue with scintillating minds on the Power Play podcast.